Welcome to the Lightcast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gast, registered associate marriage and family therapist. I talk openly about mental health to normalize and cast light on the shadows of the human experience. Tune in for monthly episodes based on themes that intuitively arise for me personally and professionally. Disclaimer, the Lightcast podcast, including any references and resources, are for informational purposes only. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or intervention. My podcast may cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to abuse, suicide, violence, mental illness, sex, drugs, and alcohol. Your discretion is advised. this episode of the Lightcast podcast, I talk about the importance of trusting your intuition and how listening and tuning into your own emotions can help you meet your own needs and how it will also help to live in alignment with your own authenticity. I'll also start talking a little bit about the cyclic nature of life in how letting go of attachment to endings can make wave for new beginnings. Hello, and welcome to the Lightcast podcast, season two. Uh, This is the first episode of the second season of the Lightcast podcast. Um, I'm trying a different... Uh, format to this podcast. Um, I'm hoping for it to come off more personable and more genuine and authentic. And I kind of want to share that journey, I guess, with you all today as to the changes I've made and how it kind of connects to this greater theme that we're going to talk about today of trusting your intuition and how it leads to aligning yourself with your authenticity, and also how cycles of life uh, are a natural part, endings are a natural part of life, and how endings can often make way for new beginnings. So that's the theme today. Um, My last season, I ended with a gentle observation of the entire season, which gave me a lot to learn, um, not only about the podcast, but really about myself. And, you know, the name of this podcast is called The Lightcast because of what I say in my intro. I want to normalize mental health and talk about the shadows of the human experience without shame, without um, stigma. And what I think I found is that that is still something that's really scary for me. And I, you know, I'm a therapist. I've been working, an associate therapist, still working under uh, a licensed therapist uh, supervision. Um, But I, I have a master's degree. I, I, you know, I have plenty of hours working with clients and yet I still get scared to speak openly and authentic when I'm not sitting right in front of a client, for example. Um, So this is, this is good practice for me, and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm doing more of what I said I would do, which is normalizing it. I think 
my first season. Uh, it was my first podcast ever, and I really wanted to do well, right? And like, this is also through my work. And so I also had this idea of, you know, I want to make sure that it's appropriate and um, aligned with my place of work and their image and things like that. And I think I, you know, was very hyper aware of, you know, I'm not an expert at any of these things by any means. I'm an associate. I'm still learning. But what I found was that in the last season, you know, it was very information-based and very education-based, which I loved. I love educating people on a lot of psychology and therapeutic areas that maybe people who haven't been to therapy aren't really familiar with. So I enjoyed the idea of, you know, kind of breaking down larger uh, themes of psychology and, you know, um, all these aspects. You know, I talked about a lot of different things in my season, my first season. And what I noticed, though, what was happening was I was so consumed of wanting to get the information correct. I didn't want to mess up during the podcast. I didn't want to, you know, talk about intergenerational trauma or attachment theory and forget something really important or uh, just go off the cuff and kind of talk about it myself because I was very afraid of making a mistake. You know, I, I'm a therapist. I'm, you know, clients could listen to this, but my bosses listen to this, right? And so I was already so scared of like making a mistake that what I think I found I was doing was I was, you know, preparing a lot of the content I would talk about, right? So if it was attachment theory or intergenerational trauma, I would end up working so hard to get all the information prepared. I knew, okay, here's an outline of all the top, all the little subtopics of this theme that I want to bring up and what order to do it in. And even, you know, having that right in front of me, what ended up happening was I started to read from the screen. And I think that took a lot of, I think that took away from my personality and me speaking from my heart and really um, just being genuine and authentic. And even though last season, you know, I still had the idea of I'm normalizing mental health and I'm breaking down stigmas by talking about it. I also wasn't super practicing what I preach in the terms of practicing, you know, stepping into my fears and normalizing what mental health struggles I go through as well as being a therapist. There was still a little bit of shame there attached for me to, you know, be in this therapist role during this podcast, but also being wary of like, I'm also a human too. <laughs> and just because I'm a therapist, just because I have a master's degree doesn't mean that I know any of these things perfectly or that I do them perfectly by any means. You know, I like to say that like a lot of therapists know all the things, but do we always practice all the things? No, because we're human and we're doing our best to be, you know, aware of those things. But sometimes it can still be really hard to practice the things that we often tell our clients. And 
you know, my last podcast season where, you know, a lot of it was information based and I just wanted to get through the information correctly, I realized I was kind of remo- removing um, the humanness from my podcast. By being more scripted, I wasn't leaving room for me to talk purely from my heart and to be aware and intentional of each word I was saying. Because when I looked back at it, there were a lot of things that I feel like I missed. I missed only because I wasn't being present in what I was saying. And so what I noticed, this is kind of what starts to lead into the theme of intuition today, is I, I recognize that there is a very intuitive part to the therapeutic work that I do. Um, I'm very thankful that my place of work really recognizes that other sense of ours that also plays a big part in how we support people. And what I'm learning more and more of is that when you trust that intuition, it's really, it's really telling you something. And I had already used my intuition to pick the topics for last season. You know, when that monthly time came around that it was time to record the podcast, I would be thinking about, okay, what, what therapeutic topics were really showing themselves to me this month? either, right, personally or professionally, kind of in my work with clients. And then I would follow that to be the theme uh, for the topic of that episode. What I want to do this time is still follow that intuition, still tap into what's coming up, uh, what, what are reoccurring themes that are going on that kind of reflect in my world and also in Uh, when I step into the world of other people and what I'm seeing kind of showing itself. And so I thought it would be a great time to kind of talk about my journey of trusting my intuition and trying to align with my own authenticity. Because being authentic, being really genuinely uh, unapologetically yourself is a really scary thing for a lot of people. Whether some folks want to admit it or not, you know, that can be, um, you know, on some level, we all want to be liked for who we are. We want to be accepted for who we are. Uh, We, on some level, all fear rejection and abandonment, uh, ridicule, you know, these things that don't feel good. And so I realized, you know, last season, I was definitely like protecting myself by having everything written out. And I want to challenge myself and practice what I preach and step into that place of unknown for me, which I'm completely unscripted right now. And I'm talking just for myself. And I think that's probably the scariest part about it because I'm kind of just bare here talking by myself with no words in front of me, kind of winging it. And that I think is the scariest part for me. But Again, I wouldn't be doing what I said I'd be doing on this podcast if I didn't, you know, tell you honestly that I'm, this is nerve wracking for me, but I'm going to normalize it anyway. And I'm going to just show you that therapists still feel this too, you know? And uh, yeah, so in my own journey of trying to trust my intuition, what I'm seeing a lot of uh, coming up in my caseload as well with, with who I support is that Sometimes we don't listen to our feelings. We have a feeling, whether it's anxiety, depression, lack of motivation, uh, you know, any of these kind of feelings we may have. And sometimes they're uncomfortable. 
sometimes we just don't have the time in the day to like have this feeling and we kind of want to feel better already. So there's already this kind of resistance to having anxiety or having depression kind of stir up in your life. And it can feel like you want to move away from it really fast. You want to just like, oh, I feel this. Okay, cool. But I have to get to work or, you know, I got to get on anyway. And I wish I didn't feel this way. I put on a movie to distract me or, you know, whatever it is, right? But there's this kind of resistance when we have a feeling. But really what's coming up more and more is that feelings are a guide. Feelings are emotions that come up in our body is our nervous system giving us a message. And a lot of time we don't listen to that message. And, you know, that's not to say that this is, you know, anyone, you know, a person's kind of doing on themselves, but also to recognize kind of the greater culture that we live in as well in this capitalist society that we live in, there is pressure to kind of ignore your feeling a lot of the time. Cool, you're tired. Oh, well, well, you have to get up and go to work at 8 a.m. Or, right, like get a coffee, right? You're feeling tired, go get a coffee. Put something in you to keep that energy going, even though you may be tired. Um, Anxiety in this certain job or whatever it is. But in this capitalist society that we all live in, there's already this kind of pressure of, you know, you don't have time to also listen to your feelings because we need to be productive. And I think that is where a lot of the disconnect can come from because it feels like we have to keep moving. Um, You know, this anxiety or depression may stop me, but I I literally can't stop because I have to provide for myself. And that is difficult, you know? So I empathize with everybody going through that right now and trying to maintain work and also having so much going on. I mean, in our world right now, there's so much going on. So When we have emotions and feelings, they're usually signals to us, but are we listening? So I'll use me for an example to normalize uh, this whole topic, which is for me, what I, what started kind of showing its face was that last season, kind of maybe towards the middle of the season, kind of nearing towards the end, I started to feel myself kind of dragging to like record the podcast It was feeling more like a stressor. It was feeling more, yeah, like even though I know it's through work, but it felt like extra work, you know, and like this podcast, you know, you know, it could be fun. It could be a fun place to like talk about things that are you're passionate about. But what I started noticing was that I was feeling kind of a lack of motivation around it, not feeling really energized doing it. I felt drained and that's why I took a season break. You know, I thought 12 episodes, that's a great, great season. And, you know, talked it over with my co-directors and they were like, yes, please take a break. And in that, I knew that, well, something's got to change because this is something that I want to do. And I, and why is this lack of motivation there? You know? So at first I definitely didn't really pay attention. That end of that season, I was thinking, Uh, you know, I don't know why I have to feel this way. Like, why do I feel so anxious about it? Oh, it's my job. Why? Ah, (laughs) I was like getting all in my head and just frustrated with myself. I was like frustrated that I wasn't enjoying the work that I was putting out. I had major imposter syndrome and felt bad that I 
you know, didn't leave an episode feeling really like passionate and excited. And I didn't like this idea of, oh, here comes the next month. Oh, here I go. I got to pick a new topic and find the energy. And at first I was really resistant. I was ignoring this feeling. I didn't know why I felt this way. And I was kind of judging myself for even having this feeling come up, which meant that I wasn't listening to it because I was already judging it. Um, so judging this feeling, I kept trying to push on, which is what I did through the end of that season. I pushed on and I, you know, kept putting it out until I got to that point where I was like, I need a break. <laughs> and when I did that, I realized, oh, well, you know, maybe the structure of this podcast isn't working for me anymore. Maybe something needs to change. And that is when we're trusting our feelings. We're trusting our feelings that they are messages to us that something needs to shift, okay? I was feeling tired, lack of energy, lack of motivation, and that's already telling me that I have no vitality in what I'm doing. I have no passion. I wasn't exciting. It was actually more draining for me the way I was doing the podcast, right? Like I pick attachment theory. I spend the whole week prepping all the content and the information I wanted in that podcast. I go to record the podcast. I'm stressing out about re-recording certain parts multiple times because I was self-conscious about my voice or how I said certain things or if I missed something. And that just that was draining. That was definitely draining. That took so much more energy than what it needed to be. And I'm glad I took that break and listened to my body that was telling me, you're tired. You're tired and you need some space from this so you can realign with it. Figure out what needs to be changed here so you can start feeling better and feeling excited again. And so that's kind of the main theme here of talking about trusting your feeling that it's telling you something. It's not there to like make it harder for you. It's probably trying to tell you that you need something. Maybe something needs change. And so what I did, right? Like I, I, I shifted things. I, I shifted my cover. I shifted my expression of myself on that cover. I even am trying to right have this more free going format. So that was the biggest change for me was that all that preparation was more draining than it needed to be. And I noticed that I also didn't really feel like myself. This is how it aligns into that authenticity piece was that I wasn't really being myself because I was scripted because I had, you know, factual information that I knew I wanted to get through. It was more of a regurgitation of these topics, which, hey, is not bad. If, you, if anybody found those really helpful, I'm really, really glad. But for me, that was kind of missing a big element of who I am as a person. And I miss out on the opportunity to speak from my own heart and my own pure intentions and the message I'm trying to deliver to people when I had it written out. And so that was already stifling my own authenticity, which is probably why I wasn't happy with it because I wasn't feeling super myself. And so that is, you know, the, how that connects to your authenticity and 
I'm trying to think of, you know, other examples too I can talk about outside of myself here that talks about trusting your feelings and how it leads to, you know, authenticity. Anger, I think, is a very misunderstood emotion. Anger, we're told anger is kind of bad. Anger can be explosive. Anger can be uh, not conducive. You know, there's a lot of messages that we get about anger not being a helpful emotion and that you shouldn't get angry and you should handle things better. I think the problem comes with anger is when we, well, A, suppress or try to ignore that anger, try to put it away, not really honor that feeling that's coming up. So we kind of push it away, judge it, hush it down. And then what happens is that 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 depression can become, sorry, not depression, that anxiety, oh, not anxiety, not anxiety either, but that anger, so sorry, a lot of this I think could go for a lot of these different emotions, but just speaking from anger right now, when that anger isn't honored, that anger is suppressed, it can become internalized in our body to become depression. Um, I think that's, I think a very common popular quote. I think people are aware of that. Like, I think it's depression is anger turned inward. So when we suppress anger and we deny that anger and we don't say, Hey, anger, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what are you mad about? When we ignore it, it becomes almost this denial of self maybe into this authenticity, a denial of you being authentic to yourself. Oftentimes anger comes in when we're, when we're upset that we feel a boundary has been crossed, when we feel disrespected, when we feel hurt. Um, anger is a secondary emotion. Usually there is a more vulnerable emotion underneath that anger. Right? Anger is really protective. But either way, this emotion's coming up because there's something, this anger is trying to motivate you to take action, that something's not making you feel good. It doesn't align with you. It doesn't, right? It, it, it's something in that is like this anger is trying to literally motivate you to make some change. But because that anger is often so misrepresented as this ugly, bad emotion, we don't touch it. And then it kind of festers there. And then that's where problems can happen. Right, if you kind of deny that feeling and let it go on, and then it kind of resurfaces in other ways. So, really listening to that emotion, as uncomfortable as it may be to sit in that anger and try to connect with what is going on, ultimately it'll lead to something beneficial, I think. But I think a lot of that also stems from being kind to yourself and showing yourself compassion when you have a big emotion like that. And I know I've talked about attachment theory and I'm sure I'll talk about it more in this new season in different ways, but that can really stem from that place of feelings weren't maybe paid attention to, or you, you were taught that feelings like anger are bad. And that's the problematic part when we try to categorize emotions into this um, duality of good and bad. Uh, we learn that, you know, happiness and excitement are good emotions where anxiety and anger are bad ones. And so we get taught 
you know, only feel the good ones, like be happy, you know, try to be positive and hopeful and all these, be that, be the good emotions. And then when we tap into, you know, the more quote unquote negative emotions, people are like, no, you know, you don't want to feel that. Let's get out of that as quickly as possible. But really that is where great change can happen and where your needs are trying to come up to the surface. Your body is so in tune with what it needs on a primal level that we've kind of lost touch with that. And so it's like screaming, it's coming up to the surface and it will, it'll keep coming to the surface. Even if we try to push it down, it will come out some other kind of way. And so the more you tune into that right away and don't push it away, look at it, hopefully gently with some compassion and with like curiosity too. Curious, not, ugh, why am I feeling angry? Right? Because that's frustration, but more of, hey, self, you know, like, where is this anger coming from? What am I mad about? You know, is this directed at anything in specific? You know, let me try to understand why I'm feeling this way so that I can help myself figure out what I need. And that's the, I think the funny thing about emotions is that we, we can be so used to kind of projecting them outwardly, hoping that other people will kind of help with that when we don't know how to validate and see our own emotions and needs and wants from a compassionate place, an understanding place, we often externalize that emotion. So similar to how a child would, when a child has a need that needs to be met, they're uncomfortable, they're hungry, they're frustrated, they're upset, they really externalize that feeling. Ah, right, cry, ah, tantrum, whatever it is. Okay, can throw something or, right? So kids don't have that, you know, emotional regulation skill yet, which is why they need their parents or guardians to help kind of teach them how to use those big emotions and how to communicate with them. Because as a baby, it's really instinctual for the baby to cry and externalize their discomfort and pain to get their caregiver to tend to their need. They whine, they cry because they don't have language yet. And that is when their caretaker will come in and try to figure out, okay, are, do they need a change? Are they hungry? Right? Do they need a nap? And so what happens is that we're often not really given those tools early on to say, okay, what is this? What does this feeling need? Let's communicate that in a way so that we can get that need met for you. So oftentimes when we grow into adulthood, we can still kind of get stuck in that same old pattern of I'm going to externalize my emotion. I'm going to get frustrated. Maybe I'm going to slam this door when I leave or, you know, things like that, right? Where you kind of like put your feeling, but outside of your body, you're slamming things, you're frustrated, you're right, whatever, going through it all, right? Kind of really making it more visible. That's, that's a cue into I'm trying to get my need met and I want someone to see me, you know, like I want someone to see that I'm in discomfort and I wish someone would come and help or offer help or see me in discomfort and help. But 
right? When we get into adulthood, that kind of responsibility is on us as that individual to understand that emotion. It can feel good sometimes to externalize that, but oftentimes that can lead to other things, right? Like arguments or, you know, uh, you know, even get to the point of self-harm when people kind of like hit a wall and things like that. And so it's really, I think, our job to tune into that emotion, listen to it so that we don't have to externalize it to get it noticed, to get someone to validate it for us, to get someone else to come help me reduce this uncomfortable feeling, but actually do that for myself. Do that for yourself, you know? Speak kindly to yourself when you're frustrated. You know, be gentle and understanding to this emotion that's coming up and tending to the need or want that's kind of lying under the surface. So I'm going to take a little pause right here uh, because we're kind of getting up to that 30-minute mark where I have to take a pause and start a new recording. Um, But then I want to go into uh, how this kind of ties into cycles and natural endings and things like that. All right, where did we leave off? I think we left off talking about how emotions and feelings are cues and messages uh, to help us connect to our intuition on a deeper level that can also lead us to not only meet our needs, but align with our authenticity. And I just realized, sorry, I got distracted, my fans on, and now I got in my head and worried that uh, it's too loud, but I'm going to keep going with it. And remember that it is 95 degrees out right now and I need a fan because it's hot. So that is me trying to trust my intuition that I am uncomfortable and I need some airflow going on in here and I need to get out of my own head. And again, right, normalizing all of this, trying to be honest. And yeah, sorry, that totally just came up and distracted me. So I need to be honest that that kind of took my my brain off track. But Anyway, so trusting your intuition to help you lead into living authentically. And, you know, because I had this season ending and I had this chance to have a break to come into whatever new format the podcast was going to take this season, it reminded me too of cycles in life. And that's something that I think is, uh, yeah, I think that one's difficult in a lot of ways for folks. I'm just thinking of all the ways that we have natural cycles in life. You know, nature follows a cycle. And I'll always tell my clients that, you know, like nothing blooms all year long, right? But sometimes we feel like we're expected to bloom all year long, like, Things always have to be going well and being productive and good. And we're, you know, everything just keeps going and going and going as if there aren't endings in life. And endings are really a natural part of life. It's a, you know, nature in life is very cyclic in that way. And endings are a part of life. And I think it becomes difficult when we get too attached to things in our life and we don't leave a little bit of that wiggle room for us to let go 
when natural endings do come up and seeing where life kind of takes us. Because again, right, like an ending, an abrupt feeling that something needs to end isn't always the best feeling. So this kind of goes back to listening to yourself, listening to a feeling, trusting your intuition that maybe there's an ending of something about to occur. And that can be a very scary place to be. For me, it was definitely very scary. Uh, I was very scared of leaving behind this format that felt very like safe and protective for me to have all this factual information. But I was definitely feeling this natural ending happening. And that really does make wave for new beginnings to kind of enter into life. And that still is scary because new beginnings can also mean uncharted territory. It can mean uh, uncertainty and discomfort. A little uncomfortable for me to be off script and trusting myself that I will formulate sentences that not only make sense, but are hopefully uh, impactful in some kind of way. And this is very uncharted territory for me. But that's also kind of what life is about. It's kind of about letting go of certain comfort zones and also challenging ourselves to grow and our own expansion into new ways of being that maybe we never knew before. And it's important to kind of go with them. Again, with that resistance, it's very, very normal and common to resist change, to resist being kind of nudged in a direction to grow it can be very, very uncomfortable. Uh, for me, ironic enough, public speaking is one of those things for me is very uncomfortable. Why I chose to record a podcast, I am not sure what motivated me to do that back then. I think the idea of it, I knew I, it sounded great, but wow, I did not prepare myself for the uncharted territory that would bring me in. But Knowing myself and I love self-development, of course, I was going to, you know, ask for a challenge. So, you know, that's what it is. It's kind of stepping into an uncharted territory, letting some part of something maybe you were really familiar with, letting that go and leaving space for what naturally will come back into your life once you've let go of the old. And, you know, for some people letting that go like I said, is really scary and it can be hard and people like to kind of resist that change, resist that they want things to stay the same. But something me and my partner have talked about is, you know, it'd be kind of sad, you know, if you get to the end of your life and say, I never changed. I'm still who I've always been. I am who I am and I've never changed. To, to me, there, there's something a little bit sad about that, that you didn't use this one lifetime you had to expand yourself in some kind of way. Of course, not to say that I don't empathize with the discomfort of all that change and wanting to, of course, stay with the essence of who you are, right? Being unapologetically in your nature and being who you are. But if life keeps presenting you opportunities and challenges to grow and to step into new territories that may not only help you grow as a person, but maybe help you grow in areas of life like connection or career or things like that, then 
you're kind of missing out on some opportunities in life. And so again, no judgment. First off, no judgment. I got in my head and worried that that sounded judgmental, but of course there is no judgment if that is kind of the life you choose to live, but just a reflection of, do you really want to be the same person you are at, let's say 21 years old when you're 56? Like not, probably not really. Right? I mean, when you see the same 21-year-old person, there's probably a lot you could learn in life from that age and all the life experiences thus far. And a lot, I think a lot of times folks that I see when it comes to other people in their life, other people can be really stagnant and kind of resistant to change, to grow, to learn new things, to let go of old ways of being and try to you know, make room for whatever's going to come. And I think that's a natural part of life too, is that like that familiarity is, is comfort. And so letting go of that attachment to things is, is, yeah, it makes sense. It kind of, it's scary. It goes against our nature of safety to go into an uncharted territory. But again, that is the cycle of life. And I think sometimes we can be so far removed from the cycles in our life, whether that's my example of ending season one and changing into a whole new season two and what that might bring for me. But also in life, I won't go too far into this topic because it kind of goes a little off course, but something I always think about is kind of our relationship with the death in this world. Uh, We're very far removed from the natural part of life in which there is an ending. There is a whole death industry that, you know, kind of goes into the capitalist framework of life of, you know, we do these things to our, our loved ones who have passed on and you pay money to do those things and to make them look a certain way and present them in a certain way. Oftentimes, because we don't want to see them in the natural decaying part of us being organic matter. And that itself, you know, takes us so far away from the primal experience of grief. You know, not only grieving the person that we lose, but also getting in touch with the fact that one day we will also go back to the earth and kind of be organic matter again. Um, Well, of course, it depends on how people, you know, their end of life plans. Of course, uh, I'm going off on a tangent now into a whole other area that is interesting and fascinating to me. But again, like we get really far removed from this natural cycle, this natural part we even have in the cyclic nature of life. You know, humans have kind of tried to remove themselves a little bit from this kind of cycle of you know, the animal chain and things like that. But really, we are not above anything else in this world, but we are a part of that natural cycle. And one day we will too be gone. And that is very painful. But when we don't step into that reality enough, we may, you know, look at life with a different set of perspectives than if we were always to remember that life has an ending. And it's just a natural part of life. And sometimes we can't resist that, but we have to embrace that and see what that brings for us. 
So anyway, that got deep. That went into a whole area I was not expecting to bring up. And so bringing it back, bringing it back to just the the letting go of things to make room for others. Uh, This will be a very different tangent now to go off of, way different from that example. But for for me as a therapist in private practice, I noticed at the beginning of, you know, working and having, you know, making my own schedule and things like that, that when people would need to cancel or when people needed to uh, just leave suddenly, it was so hard for me at the beginning. I would be you know, all bummed out, you know, that someone needed to drop off or, um, or even, you know, if someone needed to cancel a certain week, I'd get all frazzled and think about, okay, well, how should I shift things? So, you know, you know, that spot's filled and things like that. I would be more like attached to it. Again, there's that word again. I was very attached to it, attached to like, oh no, it's shifting. So I'd get attached to it. I get anxious. I'd try to harder to like, make it feel like things weren't shifting or ending, but that was happening. And what I've learned through, you know, over a year and a half, or maybe, yeah, just a little over a year, I think, of being in in private practice and getting more comfortable with kind of ebbs and flows of clients coming in, clients going, you know, that matches the time of the year as well. There's very cyclic nature to that when people come to seek therapy and when people are kind of not seeking it as much. And so that has been something that I have learned how to get more comfortable with, which is letting go of that attachment. And what I've noticed is that it makes room for things that I would have never thought. So I'll have clients who like maybe multiple people who like needed to cancel or move things around, move to a different day. And let's say I do that. And I did it, you know, not feeling anxious. I wasn't really like attached to it. I let it go. You know, if someone didn't get back to me right on time, like I'd wait, you know, wait for it all to kind of happen on its own. I didn't force it with this anxious attachment to trying to make it all certain, right? It's like, oh, that's what it is. It's all that uncertainty. As humans, we don't like that uncertainty and that shifting change. But what I noticed was when I let go, and I wouldn't stress about it, what would happen is that one client who canceled and moved somewhere else actually opened up space for somebody else who needed to be there that week. And it would all kind of end up working itself out. And I would have a not stressful week. And it ended up always happening like that. And so I've learned to kind of try to let that go. Because I realized when someone has to go or things like that, ends up just making room for somebody else. And it would all kind of fall into place But if I had anxiously attached to it, maybe tried harder to make things work, I could have maybe messed up that natural flow that it was going to have because I was trying too hard to feel in control. That's the other part. We like to be in control during uncertainty. And so that's kind of what's been happening too. Uh, You know, when I talk about the cyclic nature of when people kind of seek seek therapy, I think what happens is that folks kind of come into therapy more towards the colder seasons when we start to enter the holiday season, right? We're getting more into like Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, now going into the new year of January, February, right? All these kind of holidays, which can be 
major triggers for people around relationships, family, right? And so, and even the colder months, that can kind of trigger, I guess, those more depressive feelings and things like that. So what we find is that into the, that's kind of the busier season of kind of going up into the next year. And then what happens is that when we get around the warmer months in the summer, people are getting off of school, maybe they're taking vacations from work, sun's out, you know, it's the time to kind of play and relax and people are kind of not feeling like they need therapy at that time maybe. And so that's kind of some of the general patterns you might see. And so that's something I'm going through right now. There's a big, where we're kind of nearing the end of summer, but that summer piece was definitely like people were kind of dropping off. You know, people I've been seeing for a long time were kind of ready to go. And that was hard. That was really hard to let go of, you know, as a therapist. Yes, I'm just there as a support person, you know, but these are people I, I work with maybe every week for hour long sessions and having really intimate personal conversations and get to know these people and how literally see them and talk to them maybe more than I see like my own family and friends because of that's how frequently. And so to let that go can be really hard. And I think of, right. Oh no, this is my, this is my livelihood as well. Like when are more people going to come in and things like that? But again, what's been happening is I've been trying to take more of that detached mindset of, okay, this is just the season. This is that cyclic nature that is just happening. And let me let go of it for a little bit and let's see what happens. And it's going great, to be honest. I'm getting some people coming in and it's like, oh, cool. We we let go of who was ready to be on their own, who was ready for this part of their journey to end. And that is now bringing in new waves of people who are ready to begin. And I think that's just beautiful. So the more I think we can trust in life's kind of natural cycles and detaching a little bit. So we kind of let go of some of that control and kind of trust that things may kind of fall into its natural place. But again, all that to say that in all of that ending and changing and uncertainty and detaching from control and all of that, whatever emotions do surface during that process should be tended to with gentleness and compassion and understanding. And when we tune into those emotions that our body are trying to tell us how to take care of ourselves. So I think that's kind of where I'll leave it today. I think we kind of made a nice full circle moment there of kind of tying in these natural endings of life and the cyclic nature of how things work, letting go of the old, you know, letting room for the new and how we tend to the emotions that surface during all of that process. How do we help ourselves align more with our authenticity in our lives? How do we live true to ourselves? I think it starts with listening to ourselves and listening to ourselves with understanding and kindness.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lightcast podcast. Remember, new episodes are out monthly. You can also visit me at my website, www.stephaniegtherapy.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Stephanie G Therapy. Take care. Thank you.